Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of the Yard. A little bit later than normal. I do apologize. I do apologize for that. But, um, you know, sometimes your good friend and host decides to sleep in, and I've got some stuff for the book I'm still working through. And so there's, there's a little things sometimes that push me back. So I do apologize. And I um, want to talk about today, we're going to talk about the all SEC selections. We're going to talk about the projected order of finish according to the media. Mississippi State not picked seventh this year, which probably means that um, we won't win the SEC. You know, you know how it works. Uh, so Dan Mullen and, and his group traditionally were picked sixth or seventh in the West. Uh, wasn't this year, you know. So uh, a step for that. I disagree slightly with the SEC media's projection for Mississippi State. We'll get to that. Want to hope that uh, you guys are doing well. That I hope it's payday for you today. It's Friday, so maybe it is. Maybe for you bi-weekly wage earners, maybe today is payday. So hope it is. Hope you get a chance to go out and have some tacos with the family, that sort of stuff. I want to thank our good friends at Campus Bookmark. Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, the whole group there. And I don't know if I told you, I met the former Campus Bookmark employee, uh, Kelly Doss, at the extravaganza on Wednesday. So it's a star-studded event, you know. So you need to go by and get to know these folks. They are more than happy to serve you because this is a Starkvillian institution. Campus Bookmark's been here forever today. They'll be here long after we're all gone. 
Campus Bookmarks, a place for many of you bought your textbooks when you were students here at Mississippi State. Now it's time to outfit your family, your RV, your office, anything that you have that you could put some maroon and white on, they're, they're going to help you with that. If you can't make it to town to see those smiling faces, we encourage you to visit them online at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Barnyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, that phrase BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. And you and I both know it. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. So let's go ahead and let's look. Before we get into project, we'll, we'll do it by divisions. But let's go ahead and get into um, the all-SEC teams. And, there, and there's three of them. So I'm going to hit some of the high points here, okay? But we'll, we'll run through these pretty quickly, and we'll take some time to talk about it. Yet, yet four Bulldogs selected preseason all-SEC by the media. Uh, two was the quarterback at Alabama, DeAndre Swift from Georgia, who I think is an absolute monster. Uh, is your running back along with Najee Harris of Alabama? That's based on projection more than production. Uh, Jerry Judy, you know, Blitnikoff guy, certainly he'll be a candidate for that again. Henry Ruggs Jr., Henry Ruggs III. So, pardon me. So, right, right out of the gate, right out of the gate, the first four of the first five selections are Alabama skill position players. That, that tells you anything. As good as that offense was last year, most of those pieces come back. And you get a little deeper into this thing, and you really realize that this Alabama offense isn't going anywhere. Uh, the Missouri tight end, uh, Albert Aquabunum, and I apologize, Albert, uh, first team all-SEC tight end. And then we get into these old linemen, Andre Thomas of Georgia, Alex Leatherwood of Alabama, Prince Tega of Auburn. Mississippi State recruited him as a defensive end. Now he's first team all-SEC tackle. Jedrick Willis, Jr., Alabama, and Lloyd Cushenberry of LSU. Lloyd was uh, expected to sign with Mississippi State, and then LSU comes in with a late offer, and he likes to stay home there. And so no Bulldogs on the first team there, but if you run those numbers back and you see one, two, three, four, five, six Alabama first team all-SEC offensive players, it's a different day in Tuscaloosa. You, know, you, you expect it on defense, but six first team all-SEC selections on offense, uh, impressive. Second team offense, quarterback Jake Fromm from Georgia could probably be first team quarterback anywhere in the country uh, outside of the SEC. You know, the, the, it's too a mania here. I really like Jake Fromm. I think he's going to be an outstanding player. He already has been. Uh, running back Keyshawn Vaughn of Vanderbilt, a little bit of a surprise for me. Very talented player, but um, second team kind of a surprise. Michael Perrin from Florida. Uh, you know, yeah, I guess you could make that case. Wide receiver, uh, Kalija Lipscomb from Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt with two second-team selections there. Wide receiver, Jalen Waddle from Alabama. There's a tight again. Tight end, Jared Pinckney from Vanderbilt. It's three second-team selections on the offense for Vanderbilt. Offensive lineman, Solomon Kenley of Georgia. Offensive lineman, Damian Lewis of LSU. Offensive lineman, Trevor Wallace-Sims out of Missouri. Offensive lineman, Isaiah Wilson from Georgia. And then finally... Our first Bulldog selection, center Darrell Williams, second team, preseason All-SEC, second team, center Darrell Williams. And, again, only Lord Cushenberry is higher. And I'll be honest with you, I, my honest opinion, because I think when you know these guys are comparable ability, obviously, Lloyd got the benefit of the LSU bump. That's just the reality things. That's, that's the reality things. I, I think in, in the end – I suspect Darrell Williams will grade out better than Lord Cushenberry. Hold me to that. Third-team offense, quarterback Joe Burrow of LSU. 
Uh, I'm not a big Joe Burrow fan, but this is one of those years, too, where you've got a lot of these first-year starters and a lot of grad transfer-type quarterbacks, and so that's a safe pick, I guess. Running back Larry Roundtree of Missouri, running back Jartavius Booby Whitlow of Auburn. I, I, you know. And see, here's the deal with this. That means Colin Hill didn't get picked. As much as I like some of these guys, that there is no way that Colin Hill is the seventh-best running back in the Southeastern Conference, and that's what they're telling us today that Colin Hill is not in the top six backs. I just refuse to believe that. And I think in the I think he'll be postseason SEC. I think he will be if, if assuming he stays healthy, I, I suspect that Colin Hill will have better numbers than most of these players. I suspect that his numbers from the line of scrimmage will be among the top two or three running backs in this league. More on that later. Wide receiver Justin Jefferson from LSU. Wide receiver Brian Edwards from South Carolina. Tight end Miller Forrestall from Alabama, third teamer there. Mississippi State recruited him. Uh, tight end Charlie Warner out of Georgia. Offensive lineman Deontay Brown, Alabama. Offensive lineman Ben Cleveland, Georgia. Offensive lineman Logan Stenberg, Kentucky. Offensive lineman Matt Womack of Alabama. That's third teamer from Hernando, Mississippi. You may recall Mississippi State and Ole Miss both very involved with him. Uh, committed to LSU, flipped to Alabama, and uh, has, done, has done fairly well. Done, done fairly well. And uh, center Drake Jackson out of Kentucky. So only one Mississippi State player selected on one of the three preseason all-SEC offensive teams, according to SEC media, and that named Darrell Williams. And uh, that's one of those things you look at and you begin to think, okay, the preseason buzz about the Mississippi State offense is not very good. And you've, I tell you, to be fair, too, Scotty Phillips from Ole Miss didn't make the list. And uh, I think a lot of that, too, is because of the fact that, they, that Ole Miss was so bad, they're projected to be as bad or worse this year. And you don't have the pieces around him. And so I, I could see a step back in production. But if we're basing these things off last year's numbers, you know, Scotty Phillips probably deserves uh, some consideration there. But uh, but he did but he didn't make it. But uh, – when this thing is all said and done offensively for Mississippi State, I suspect that you will see more Bulldogs on the postseason list. But it is pretty clear heading into the season, the media not really sold on a Mississippi State offense. And that's really what I think a lot of people are looking at this and saying, okay, Joe, you're two. You got to show us something. You got to show us something. That, that's, that's, the, that's, that's the barometer for me. When I look at this list, because here's the deal, and I've shared this many times to people, and, uh, I guess I'll keep sharing it until everybody gets it. But uh, the media, the media will uh, will will pick who they know and what they know. And when you go, let's say, if you devote a Saturday to go cover a college football game, you go to that ball game. You're not able to watch games on the way to that game. You're not able to watch ball games after that because you've got a story to write. So, so you don't see a lot of ball games. You know, for me, and I, I'm sure there are some other guys in the, the SC media that do this, but you know, I, I DVR a bunch of those games when they show the replay, so I, I, I can watch kind of the abridged version, but you go back and watch those and kind of become familiar with those teams. But what happens is when you start picking these lists here, is you pick the names you know. And so there's not there weren't a lot of names on the Mississippi State offense that were known throughout the conference. You know, Darrell Williams is the guy that went to SEC Media Days. Makes me wonder if Darrell hadn't gone to SEC Media Days, would he have been selected? These offensive line things are hard to pick. And so a lot of times you pick them based on, uh, you know, 
personal observation or preseason awards list and that sort of stuff because it's difficult. It's difficult to evaluate offensive line if you never played it. It's tough. So people go through and they, they look at these lists and say, okay, well, so-and-so is projected to be a uh, second-round draft pick, so he must be good. And so then we're basing our opinion on other people's opinions. It's not, it's not our, our ballot becomes what other people suggest it should be. And so that, that's one of the things that it, it, you, you take all of this with a little bit of a grain of salt. But, again, I think it is a good, it is a good barometer of how that Mississippi State offense is perceived at this point. So, again, just one Bulldog makes it. The only one that I could really quarrel with is Colin Hill. I expect there to be a tight end that really emerges as a playmaker from this group. There's no way I would vote them, all SEC. You look at Farad Green's numbers. We all love Farad, but his numbers last year, he kind of took a step back production-wise. And that's not necessarily an indication of his ability. We didn't, we didn't utilize tight end position last year. And we've heard for the last three years, we're going to use the tight ends more. We're going to use the tight ends more. I believe they mean it. And one of the things that I have learned from talking to, to players post-spring is that Joe Moorhead, the, the offensive guy, is a little different than the offensive guy Luke Getze is. And, uh, and so Coach Getze had a lot more to do with, you know, certain things. And Joe was always the primary play caller, but, you know, Getsy was offensive coordinator and kind of put things together. I, I suspect that we're going to be a little more innovative this year. We certainly need to be. But I suspect, and based on what I'm hearing, I, I guess we can call it an educated guess, that we are going to utilize the tight ends more because we feel like they create better matchups for us. And so, I won't be surprised to see somebody postseason on the list. And then you've got all these unproven names at wide receiver. you got a lot of talent. You know, we feel great about Stephen Guidry. We feel great about Isaiah Zuber. But nobody's going to go put them on a preseason list. You know, and Isaiah Zuber probably had the numbers worthy of inclusion. But I don't think most people in the SEC media even knows who Isaiah Zuber is, much less that he's in Mississippi State. So this postseason list will look a lot different uh, than the preseason list. So my hope is that guys like Colin Hill will see this and feel absolutely disrespected. I, that's my hope. I hope he sees this and says, you know what, this is an absolute joke. All right, let's look at defense here. Uh, Meridian, Mississippi native Raquan Davis is a first-team defensive lineman. Derek Brown, the son of Mississippi State parents out of Georgia, is also a first-team defensive lineman. I was hoping he would go pro this past year. I love Derek Brown. He's a, he's a heck of a football player. Uh, Rashard Lawrence out of LSU, and then Jabari Zaniga out of Florida. That That's your first-team defensive front. Can't really argue against any of that. Linebacker Dylan Moses from Alabama and Fernie Jennings from Alabama, and then first-team defensive player from Mississippi State University, also hailing from the great state of Alabama, Errol Thompson. So that's your first selection on defense for Mississippi State, and you've got three of them. Errol Thompson is a guy that is really beginning to come into his own when it comes to accolades and uh, praise around the league. And that's that's only going to get bigger and better. Uh, that's just the reality of it. Errol's due for a big year this year, expecting a big year this year. And, again, it's one of those things when you look at you know, production per game last year, 
You know, Errol, Errol's a guy that had a productive year. And the best is really yet to come. And uh, I, I suspect because of the fact that Mississippi State may not have, you know, uh, the same production out of Jeff Simmons and Braxton Hoyette and Corey Thomas and that group, that the linebackers might, might even get more tackles. I think there's going to be some guys that maybe get into that second level. And Errol's going to have to plug some gaps. So he, he will be a guy that will put up big numbers this year. Should be. I mean, he, he should be the centerpiece of that defense. And that's pretty big company. There's some big-time linebackers in this league that Errol Thompson was selected over. And I, and I think that really shows the respect that he's getting around this league. One of my favorite players that doesn't play for Mississippi State was selected as the first-team DB, and that's Grant Delpa from LSU. He is everywhere. He, he is the closest thing to the honey badger that LSU has had in many years. And he, he absolutely killed Mississippi State, absolutely killed us when we were down there in Baton Rouge. Uh, he's a guy you got to be mindful of. Not the least bit surprised. I will be glad when he is in the NFL. Hope the Pittsburgh Steelers pick him. I got a tremendous amount of respect for him. I do not want to continue to have to play him. J.R. Reed from Georgia, Trevon Diggs from Alabama, C.J. Henderson from Florida. They round out your first team defense. So Cam Dantzler not selected with the first team. I suspect he has a chance to be selected with the postseason first team. Second team defense defensive lineman Nick Coe from Auburn, defensive lineman Justin Matabuke out of A&M. Marlon Davidson from Auburn, Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina. Second-team linebackers, Cale Garrett from Mizzou, Dejon Harris from Arkansas, David Reese the second from Florida. That's Stuart Reese's. No, I guess it's not Stuart Reese's, but I got two David Reese's out there. Patrick Sertain at Alabama, Xavier McKinney from Alabama, Christian Fulton from LSU, and then Cameron Dantzler from Mississippi State. So Cam, so Cam sneaks in basically as the way this thing is listed is by vote total and by position. And so Cam is a second-team preseason guy. He will be matched up with everybody's primary receiver most of the year. So he will have a chance uh, to get some respect. He will have the opportunity to prove himself against some of the better receivers in this league. And so that's that's your second selection. So you've got Errol Thompson on the first team, Cameron Dancer on the second team. I told you you had another one coming. So, you know, it's got to be a third-team guy. Let's run through that. Your defensive lineman on the third team, LeBron Ray from Alabama. Mississippi State recruited him. McTelvin Agam from Arkansas. And then Chauncey Rivers from Mississippi State. Tyler Clark out of Georgia. So, Chauncey Rivers makes it. I, I suspect that Chauncey Rivers will produce at a greater greater level than a third-team guy. And he needs to. This is the money year. But having him there, I think, is, is, is good for his confidence, but also, too, as a motivator that you know what he hadn't proven enough yet. Here are your linebackers, Terrell Lewis from Alabama, Jacob Phillips from LSU, Cash Daniel from Kentucky, Demarcus Acey from Missouri, Shaheem Carter from Alabama, Shadibi, uh, Richard LeConte from Georgia, Daniel Thomas from Auburn. And, and you, might, you might hear some names. You might, there might be some names you're not used to hearing on this list. There's a, there's a dubious distinction I'm going to share with you here shortly. Your specialist, punter Braden Mann from Texas A&M. That's really not a surprise. Kicker Rodrigo Blankenship from Georgia, also not a surprise. And then return specialist and all-purpose guy, Jalen Waddell from Alabama. Second team, your punter is Tommy Townsend from Florida. Kicker is Anders Carlson from Auburn. Return specialist, Marquez Callaway from Tennessee. The only Tennessee selection on the preseason all-SEC team. All-purpose is Kadarius Tony from Florida. Punter for the third team, Aaron Sippus from Auburn. Place kicker Evan McPherson, former Mississippi State commitment Evan McPherson of Florida, return specialist Deshaun Corbin from A&M, and all-purpose Lynn Bowden from Kentucky. So 
Four Bulldogs make the list. Thirteen of 14 SEC teams represented on the preseason All-SEC list. And uh, I will give you, uh, I give you 10 seconds here to kind of figure out who was missing. You heard me run it down. Players from Alabama, Auburn, Arkansas, LSU, Mississippi State, Texas A&M. Players from Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, Kentucky, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Missouri. Ole Miss, not a single player selected on three teams on the preseason All-SEC list. And again, you could probably make a quarrel for, um, you know, for Scotty Phillips. You, you really could. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm Benito Jones didn't make the list. That's another name you look at and say, okay, this guy uh, worthy of inclusion. I'm a Benito Jones fan. Wish he'd gone to Mississippi State. Kid from Wayne County, Mississippi, rides horses, you know, kind of a country boy. If he'd gone to Mississippi State, he might have played alongside Jeff Simmons. Who would have known? Who knows what would have happened? Might have been a second, third team selection this year. But be that as it may, Mississippi State four selections. I want to remind you guys too, when you're in town coming to to see our all SEC football players, stop by Bulldog Burger Company. Absolutely love Bulldog Burger Company, and you will as well. I have had several first-time diners at Bulldog Burger Company this summer that have shared with me, you know, Steve, I don't know why I waited so long. And, you know, I don't either. I I can't answer that for you. But I'll tell you, once you go, you're going to find some things you love there. And I know it's one of those things, you fall into traps. It's like, listen, we're going out. I I don't get to go out very often, so i got to go somewhere that's tried and true for me. Let, Let me encourage you. If you haven't tried Bulldog Burger Company, they will become your regular dine out experience because you're going to find some things you love there. Because it's intimidating going somewhere new and not knowing what to order. And I'm going to give you a little help with that right now. If you're just looking for a straight-ahead, classic, traditional, great restaurant-quality hamburger, you go order the Bulldog. That's what you do. You order the Bulldog, and you walk away satisfied and feeling good about life. But you know what? If you want to walk on the wild side a little bit, you know, maybe, that, maybe that doesn't require you to get dreadlocks and tattoos and, and drive a sports car. Maybe this involves you ordering the Mission and I'm encouraged to get the Pico de Gallo on the side. That way you can kind of you know, control your distribution there. Or you go get that Pimentology add bacon. Or maybe you change it up and just get the spring rolls as an entree. We call that the Mike Nemeth. Mike always gets the spring rolls and then some french fries on the side. A lot of carbs for a man like Mike, but nevertheless, it's what he does. You'll find your own favorites. We encourage you, Bulldog Burger Company, the restaurant closest to campus in the Cotton District, a place committed to Starkville, a place committed to Mississippi State, a part of a family of restaurants committed to this community. You're not going to do better than Bulldog Burger Company. Without a doubt, the best restaurant-quality hamburger in the state of Mississippi. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville people go to meet, M-E-A-T. So let's look at this pro- projected order of finish and see how we feel. We'll start with the East. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I think I agree with the order of the SEC East. Again, I, I might could make a you know a quarrel between number four and number five, but we'll get to that. No surprise, guys. Number number one in the East. I don't think we need anybody in the media to pick this for us. It's going to be Georgia. You know, Florida probably kept this thing a lot closer than I expected. Florida number two. Florida actually got 21 votes to win the East. First place, 21 first place votes. And then Missouri is third at at three, and and I'll be honest with you, they're man they are awfully optimistic about Kelly Bryant. And listen, I I, I get it, you know I'm, I I he's a talented player, 
but all that said, it's a new scheme. It's a new play caller. Now, I expect Missouri to have a great record because they should sweep the non-conference. And then they also had the benefit of playing the two worst teams in the West. Uh, six wins right out of the gate. They won a couple of these toss-ups. You know, who knows? They got Missouri third, South Carolina fourth. The winner of that game will finish third in this league. That, that, that's my honest opinion. Uh, I, I like Jake Bentley a lot. I really do at South Carolina. You know, and they've got some pieces around them. If they can figure it out a little bit defensively, uh, that, that'll be it'll be a good year for South Carolina. And, and, and here's the thing. I don't think anybody is expecting Will Muschamp in South Carolina to challenge for Atlanta on a regular basis. Not with Kirby Smart at Georgia, not with Dan Mullen at Florida. And, and, and Tennessee, they're probably a coaching change away from kind of getting back into the mix there. But, you know, Will Muschamp might have found – his destination job. You know, he's at a place where, you know, if they go 8-4, and 9-3, and three, and go to the Outback Bowl every couple of years, you know, sure there'll be some people that say, man, we can never get over the hump. But, you know, they're, they're kind of like the Mississippi State of the East. As long as you keep us in the thick of things, as long as we're competitive and we're winning some ball games, we're not going to run you off. And uh, I, I think that's kind of where Muschamp is in South Carolina. But uh, – I, I think that South Carolina team in Missouri that that that'll be interesting, and and if I had to if I had to vote today, I would pick South Carolina over Missouri, but it's it's really a coin flip. It really is. Number five on the list was Tennessee, uh, with, with, and they also got a vote to win the SEC East. They aren't the only ones that got a vote, a surprising vote to win the division. Tennessee, of course, uh, fifth, Kentucky pick sixth Vanderbilt pick seventh now I know this will come as an absolute shock Kentucky also got a vote to win the east I know this comes as a shock to Kentucky fans but they're they're right back to being Kentucky last year they were at the end of a talent cycle it is going to be a a a very quintessential Mark Stoops year where they they kind of scratch and claw to get to seven and five that that's that's the reality of things and if you just look at their division who in their division right now would you say, okay, they'll definitely beat them? I don't know that you can say that about anybody. While Vanderbilt is picked behind them, I don't, I don't think you look at that and say, well, you know, Kentucky's you know, head and shoulders better because they're not. You know, the, the rest of that equation, too, is Kentucky plays at Vanderbilt on November 16th. And so I don't think there is a game in the SEC East right now that you look at and say, you know what, they're definitely going to win that game. November 9th, they get Tennessee and Lexington. They, in the week before, they get Missouri and Lexington. Missouri is a better team than Kentucky, and that's a, that's a that's a really rough stretch in October. I mean, I mean, it really is. They go to Georgia, host Missouri, host Tennessee, and it's in the beginning of November, and then they go to Vanderbilt. That four-game stretch will define the season. And I don't know right now that you could say, you know what, Kentucky will definitely win one of those four ball games. Then you throw in the fact that Kentucky visits Mississippi State. Uh, that'll be a game that they're going to lose, okay? And then they host Dan Mullen the week before they travel to Starkville. And if you don't think Dan Mullen is irritated about losing to Kentucky last year, you, you, you better recognize. So if we begin to look at that and say, okay, look at the talent returning for Florida and look at what's leaving for Kentucky, that's six losses right there. Let's just, let's just call it as it is right now. Lose to Florida, lose to Mississippi State, Lose to Georgia, lose to Missouri, Tennessee's a toss-up, but you know, for, for all intents and purposes, let's go with that. 
And then there's the Vanderbilt game. That's, you know, Vanderbilt always seems to play defense better down the stretch. And so you could see Kentucky conceivably having a losing record this year. Their non-conference schedule is manageable. Of course, they, they, they host Toledo and Eastern Michigan. Those games will both be jokes. The big game for them, really, at South Carolina. And I like South Carolina, that thing. I mean, so I could see this. There are so many people, these Kentucky fans on social media are, are incredible. There, there's some delusion in, in, in Big Blue Nation right now. But let's move ahead here uh, and, and kind of look around at the rest of the league. Uh, and kind of look at what uh, what it looks like on the western side of things. But uh, but again, the east, I, I think I agree for the most part. Again, you could make the the if you slip if you flip South Carolina, Missouri, I don't think anybody would complain because I think they're they're pretty even. Uh, so we'll see how that shakes out. I want to remind you too, if you hadn't done so, go order a Stark Villain shirt. I'm not I'm not, not going to beat you up about it, but go go get it. Go to go to StarkVillains.com. Order your Stark Villain shirts today. Beginning to see some of those and enjoy. Enjoy getting it when I go somewhere randomly and see somebody wearing one. It's, it's big. We're finishing up the book stuff. It's in the final edit right now. And uh, right now they're talking about a September release date. I know that that's a little later than I had anticipated, but these are not decisions that I make. Uh, but we'll have that out. Plenty of time for plenty of football season signings and all that kind of stuff. So, again, StarkVillains.com. Go ahead and get your Stark Villains gear today. Let's look at the West. This, uh, you know, breaking news here, a bit of a, a shock here. <laughs> Alabama picked uh, to win the West. The highest number of votes, obviously, 253 first-place votes. LSU is second. I am not on the LSU train like many other people are. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, LSU could be their top-five team. Guys, they're they're not. They're not. And I know it's – I think sometimes people get to voting based on helmet stickers. And this is an LSU team last year that kind of gutted through some things. But, you know – there were a couple people say, well, you know, if we had, they had won this game, they had won that A&M game. There are a lot of other games you look at, they didn't play well. And so when I begin to think about, you know, what they've lost, what they come back, there's always talent at LSU. But I don't think LSU is a, uh, is a top five team, top ten team. And, you know, and, and I, I wasn't on the bandwagon last year, and it always proved me wrong. He could prove me wrong again this year, but I think uh, – I think a lot of people have LSU overrated. Texas A&M is number three, and uh, no first-place votes for them. And and I, I really don't know what, what we're basing that on because I really think, honestly, I think once you get out of Alabama, I think there are four teams that are capable of being second in the SEC. And they're, they're the second, third, fourth, and fifth teams in the league right now, according to the media. But, but A&M basically – uh, third with no first place votes. I think everybody's expecting them to win every game except for Alabama LSU. I just don't know if I agree with that with Kellen Mond at the quarterback position. I, I just I don't think I think there will be a he will give a game away. At some point he will give a game away. And yes, his numbers last year at times were decent, but if you look at what he did in bigger games, you know, it was hit or miss. It was. It was hit or miss. I don't think he's an elite quarterback. They do have some talent around them on defense, but uh, they lost a lot last year. They lost a great running back. It's going to be a different year. And and really, it is a it is wide open in the middle of the FCC West. There are so many toss-ups here. Number four, Auburn. And this is where I think you could make 
you could make the switch. I think Mississippi State, if I had to pick it today, uh, you know, you, you could make the argument that Mississippi State might be better than Auburn. You know, I think Auburn also has – Auburn has to play Georgia. You know, Mississippi State's probably got a little bit of a better draw on the east. And the winner of that Mississippi State-Auburn game will probably finish fourth. But when you look at this and you begin to think to yourself, you know, listen, basically the media is saying that Texas A&M and Auburn will beat Mississippi State. And I think when I pick my, my games out, that's exactly what I said. But let's just say Tommy Stevens turns out to be better than advertised. And maybe you, you can steal a game, or maybe two. And then you're right in the thick of things. You know, you're, I don't think Mississippi State's going to go out and beat Alabama this year. I don't think Alabama's going to lose more than a game this year. <laughs> and so I think the chances of winning the West are, are slim, incredibly slim. But I do think Mississippi State is capable of surprising some people. And I kind of like it when, when State is a little bit undervalued. We have the ability to sneak up on some people. Last year, all the talk was about this Mississippi State defense and Nick Fitzgerald. We were going to get everybody's best efforts. Everybody was kind of looking ahead and say, hey, you know what, you can't sleep on the Bulldogs. I don't know that that's the case this year. I think there are a lot of people that are sleeping on Mississippi State. I think we're going to be a good team. I don't know that we're a great team. I think that remains to be seen. But I think we're going to be a very good team. And so State picked fifth, and somebody picked State to win the West. I want to thank them, but I also want to share with them that they are an unsuffering, insufferable homer to pick Mississippi State to win the West. I think it's the first year in forever that Old Miss didn't get a vote. Uh, guys, Mississippi State not winning the West. Number six on the list, Ole Miss, kind of a distant sixth. More distance between Ole Miss and Mississippi State than it was Kentucky and Tennessee. You know, Tennessee had 804 points, Kentucky 798. On the West, Mississippi State 769, Ole Miss 504. You know, this Ole Miss team is interesting too. They're going to return basically three starters on offense, and they return some pieces on defense, on a defense that was really bad. You got Bernito Jones, uh, good player. And you got uh, Muhammad Sonago at linebacker, productive player. And you got Miles Hartfield at safety. So you've got some talent at every level of defense. There's just not enough. And I think teams are going to run all over Ole Miss this year again. There's just not there's not enough talent at linebacker, and there's not enough quickness on that front. I think to really hold teams down. And so and then the, and then with all they lost on offense, it's incredible. You know, uh, the winner of the Ole Miss Arkansas game will finish sixth in the West. And uh, I, I read the comments that Matt Corral said they're going to surprise a lot of people. Listen, Matt, with all due respect, if you guys even sniff 500, you will have surprised the world. Uh, Arkansas picked seventh. And, uh, again, I know this is a shock to uh, a lot of Arkansas fans because they were thinking about the recruiting rankings. You know, Arkansas does not return much of anything. Now, they're going to have a change, obviously, at quarterback. And that will be interesting, you know, what happens at quarterback uh, at Arkansas. You know, they, they've got a couple of grad transfers in there. So they, they feel like they have upgraded the position, and they probably have. And then, they, you know, they, they returned some talent at running back. They lost a lot on offensive line. Defensively, they were they were not elite by any stretch of the imagination. But they were in some games they shouldn't have been. They were really kind of herky-jerky at times. You know, they, they go out there and they play, they play well, uh, you know, against Texas A&M, and then, you know, Mississippi State absolutely steamrolls them. And so – It'll be interesting, uh, but again, I know some people are thinking, you know what? Would this would this 
manageable non-conference schedule, Arkansas could sneak in. But you know, at some point, you got to win a a conference game. And uh, you know, who who would you look at right now and say, you know what, I'm going to favor Arkansas to win that game against any SEC opponent? And I, I don't know that you would. I mean, I think you could say, well, Ole Miss and Arkansas is a toss-up. That game's going to be played in Oxford. You know, and let, let's take a look here and see what they have, you know, on, on the eastern side of things. And um, and I'll tell you one thing I wish people would do. And universities, can just make the website kind of uniform. It's like everybody wants to add all this splash and buzzers and whistles. Nobody is going to your website to be entertained any longer. People are just seeking information. What is the schedule? Where do I buy tickets? What time does the game kick off? Is it on television? You know, what's the roster? We, we don't need all these buzzers and whistles. I mean, it's just nobody's going to go say, hey, guys, have you seen the official list? Have you seen the official site for my favorite college team? And I say that as I'm pulling up the Arkansas website and um, clicked on uh, Googled Arkansas football schedule, and, but instead I get all this other stuff. So I guess Arkansas will save that click and we'll go somewhere else to find your schedule. Uh, but it's funny how all that it, it all of it plays out. It's just interesting to me that uh, everybody said, well, you know, Arkansas is going to take a step forward, and then they're picked dead last in the West. And then people say, well, you know, the, the Ole Miss offense shouldn't miss a beat. And who, those people that say that are, are kidding themselves. You don't lose A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and Demarcus Lodge and get better as a football team. Just like on the Mississippi State defensive front, you don't lose Montez Sweat and Jeff Simmons and get better with that personnel group. That's not to say you're not going to have some playmakers, but to to suggest that State won't miss a beat, that that's a little bit, you know, especially on that interior. That that's just not accurate. That's just not the reality of things. But let's take a look at this real quick here. Arkansas schedule. You know, they're going to open with Portland State. Okay, that's that's a W, and then they travel to Oxford the next weekend. And, you know, probably getting Ole Miss early, especially with, you know, a new defensive scheme, a new offensive scheme, you know, maybe you can score some points. This that, that That's going to be an entertaining ball game. I know it's going to be between two bad teams and two teams are not expected to make ball games, but that'll be an entertaining ball game. And with Mississippi State playing during the day, you can get home and have an opportunity to watch that game at night. Uh, that, so that'll be an entertaining game. Then Arkansas then will host Colorado State. Then they host San Jose State. And so you feel like they're 3-1 and one at a minimum after the first four games. Yeah, I, I just don't see them showing up in Oxford winning that ball game. But, you know, I, anything's possible. Anything's possible. But I, I got almost winning that one. They're 3-1. and one. Then they they host – they go to A&M and oh, they play A&M in Dallas again at, at, at Jerry World. All right, that, that's a loss. Okay, so now you're 3-2. and two. You travel to Kentucky. You know, and, and I'm not on the Kentucky train either, but I expect them to win that ball game. So now all of a sudden you're three and three. You get Auburn, three and four. You're at Mississippi, out at Alabama. You're three and five. Then you host Mississippi State. I, you know, I, that's three and six. Then you beat Western Kentucky. All right, you're four and six. And then you got to go to Death Valley. You're four and seven. And then you got to go play Mizzou in, in Little Rock. You know, and Mizzou is probably playing for bowl positioning there, and you're just playing out the string. It looks like a four and eight year. Unless you can find a way, you know, to upset Ole Miss, I just, I just don't see it. And that's one of the things that talking to some Arkansas media, they're thinking, you know what, we gotta beat Ole Miss and we gotta beat Kentucky. And you look at those games, and both of those games are on the road. And so you're asking a team that was really bad last year 
to sweep the non-conference, which they couldn't do last year, and then to win win two road SEC games to make a bowl. And I, I just don't think that's going to happen. And, and I just don't think the Chad Morris thing is going to work out. And, and that's not necessarily indicative of Chad and his coaching abilities or recruiting abilities. I just think Arkansas has dug such a big hole, and they committed to to that Big Ten offense uh, under uh, under Bielema. And then now, now you've got to – retool the offense and this is such an unforgiving league you can't go out and get players that don't fit what you want to do until you've established what you want to do and so it kind of becomes a chicken and egg thing arkansas as a as a state does not produce a lot of division one talent especially the power five talent and so you've got to go into dallas and you've got to go into mississippi and you've got to go into tennessee and you've got to beat teams on the recruiting trail that are better than you it's difficult to do. It really is. It's a very, 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 very unforgiving league. So that that's how it all shakes out. And again, on the east, you could flip South Carolina, Missouri. In the west, you could flip Mississippi State and Auburn. And I think everybody would say, you know what? Okay, I could see that. You know, so look at the Mississippi State schedule again. A lot of toss-ups, and there's still a lot of questions to be answered. And, and you know, the, there's so much discussion right now about the quarterback position, and, and rightfully so, because obviously that's that's going to determine how many points we score. And there's a lot of people that I talk to that say, hey, you know what, these kids look good, they, they do that. And, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how qualified their opinion is. You know, and, and let, me, let me share with you this. I've never met a player, and I've never, never talked to a college football player during the summer whether he be from Mississippi State or LSU or any school around the country, that's ever told me during the, that, hey man, summer's going awful. You know, I mean, it's, we're we're not going to be any good. I mean, we're we're not. We're we're going to be awful. I, I don't even know why we'd come to games. You know, everybody you speak speak to. I mean, hope springs eternal in the summer. And so when you speak to people and you speak to players, you know, you know, and and again, I want to reiterate something because I, I don't I don't know that people understand this, and I said this on Bo Bound's show yesterday. I don't, I don't even think there's some people in the media that understand this. College coaches do not supervise summer workouts. They don't. They don't attend summer workouts. They don't film summer workouts. They don't stand at the window and watch from afar summer workouts. All of that. Number one, it's considered voluntary, even though it's not really voluntary. It's considered voluntary summer workouts, but uh, those guys play seven-on-seven. And listen, there's some organization to it all. The strength and conditioning bunch kind of supervises everything. But Joe Moorhead's not out there watching Tommy Stevens throw the football to Isaiah Zuber. That's not what's happening. And so we get these questions from time to time. Hey, how's so-and-so look this summer? You know, all that's off-limits to the media. We can't go watch it either. And I don't know how many of us would go, to be honest with you. I, I would go, but I wouldn't go every day. It's nice to have some downtime too. And so when you see and hear these things, understand to take every bit of that with a grain of salt. And actually the, the grain of salt is probably worth more. Because everybody is optimistic and you're not getting a qualified opinion about what's taking place you got guys running around in a t-shirt and shorts in most cases just a short because it's so hot out here and they're running around throwing football they're getting to know each other they're building some rapport but they're not playing football they're not working through drills they don't have the pads on they're not running the plays they're out here running past skeleton 
you know, the, the guys are working together, building some camaraderie, building that esprit de corps. They're working out together. But we're not practicing football. Fall practice starts for Mississippi State on August the 2nd. Our kids are still going to be in summer school when fall camp begins. The finals for uh, for uh, second session summer school, that's uh, runs through uh, August 5th and 6th. So we'll start fall camp, and then we'll have some classes to finish up with. And then, and then we'll have a few weeks there, a couple weeks there, where it's just football. We don't have summer school. We don't have fall semester yet. We'll get a little, we'll get a little break in there where everybody can just kind of focus on the task at hand. That's getting ready. And the way practice is spread out now, too, you know, we don't have all two-a-days again. You know, it's not like it was in the old school. Things have changed a lot. For better or for worse, things have changed. you got to build toughness in a different way. Hydration is key. Concussion protocol is key. But until August the 2nd, Jim Moorhead will not watch Tommy Stevens throw. And the players, you know, the, the, the receivers, Isaiah Zuber is not going to have an opportunity to be hit, you know, until uh, until fall practice. And most of that will be rather limited too. You know, Joe's not a guy that really believes in, you know, a lot of tackling to the ground once we get in football season. So we'll get these, some of that those tackling drills, you know, in fall camp, and then we'll start our, our prep for, for you all Lafayette. And I don't know that we'll tackle to the ground the rest of the year. You know, that's one of those things that they try to do is to kind of keep guys fresh. Uh, you know, I know when – when when Mullen was here, we did it a little bit differently. You know, we would do it would it'd be just for one or two periods, but we'd run one versus one, run some tackling that sort of stuff, run some team stuff. But uh, nowadays, people are working harder to keep guys fresher, and uh, it's a long season, it really is. And uh, there's not a lot of downtime for these guys. I mean, you, you begin to, to realize, you know, those guys go from Super Bowl to our weekend and the Maroon and White game, and they get a little time off, and they. Uh, they're right back up here for summer school in June, so they only get a few weeks of the, of the entire year where they're not taking part in a football-related activity, and they still got workouts to keep up. I mean, there's just not a lot of time uh, for their bodies to rest. It's a lot different than it was years ago because college coaches are, are, are much more in, involved with things where when it comes to legislation, and so they want to have access to their players a lot more. And so when they get into the summer, even though they don't have access to them on the practice field itself, there's still going to be meetings and there's still going to be discussions and there's still going to be, you know, film review, that kind of stuff to kind of prepare. You know, a lot, a lot of that stuff is just different. It's just different than it was, you know, a couple of generations ago. You know, football, you reported for football camp and then you didn't see each other again after the season was over until it was time to start um, – to start spring practice. I mean, you just, you just, it just wasn't as regimented as it is now. And so, again, understand the Mississippi State coaching staff will get their first look at the 2019 football team, complete with Tommy Stevens, Isaiah Zuber, uh, you know, Alan Love, those guys, Corliss Waitman, August the 2nd. And we'll be there. And uh, we'll take some pictures, and we'll get some comments from Joe, and we'll interview some players, and we'll have an army of people covering all that. And and uh, jeanspage.com will have more coverage about Mississippi State athletics than anybody else, it, more than more than the university itself. You can come by, and you, if you're not a member of Jeans Page, now's the time to do it because you go ahead and sign up now, and we'll have uh, we'll carry you through football season, carry you through the heart of recruiting, 
And uh, you're going to find, too, some of the most knowledgeable and passionate fans of Mississippi State are already there. We're already discussing. And you're just kind of taking a quick look, too, just in case you're missing this, if you're not there. Uh, you know, we, we've, been con- we've been discussing the Jackie Sherrill case <laughs> this week. Uh, there are a lot of people that thought that would never, ever go to trial. You know, that's one of the things that, and maybe we'll talk about that before we get out of here, but uh, there are a lot of people that thought, man, there's no way this thing is still alive. And uh, every so often, I guess once or twice a year, people would say, hey, what's the latest on the Jackie Sherrill case, Steve? And I'd say, well, you know, it's still pending. They're still waiting on some rulings. And, and they finally found a judge that would take it up and take this thing and put it on his, on his calendar, and, and, and then there's a settlement. And um, just a lot that goes with all of that. But we're over there discussing that. Dave Murray had a story yesterday. Does the summer season talk ring true? A lot of response on that. Um, but there's a lot of things, you know. Gonna, we're going to have a lot of things to discuss this year. And it's going to be a year, too, where there's going to be a lot of question marks heading into the season. So it's a good time to get plugged in. And, uh, you, know, here, you know, the things that I think about, you know, and we're, we're so close to it. And Dave Murray and Mike Nemeth and I, and Robbie and Paul, and we all talk about these things among ourselves from time to time. And uh, I had lunch with Mike Nemeth yesterday, and one of the things that we were talking about, you know, it's like we will be good enough at quarterback to be a good bowl team. You know, Keaton Thompson, you look at Keaton, you now Keaton and Tommy have different skill sets. But Keaton Thompson is 2-0 and as a starter, and other than one series against Texas A&M, Keaton played well for us last year, and I don't know that I fault him for that rough stretch at A&M. Yeah, I, I don't know if I fault him for that. We won the ball game. And there were a lot of people, of course, that were calling for Keaton then because Nick had had a couple of bad games. Offense was kind of sputtering. And some of that was Nick and some of that was Joe and some of that was just the fact that we were having some growing pains. But I think we're going to be good enough at quarterback to be a very good ball team. I think at running back, as long as Kylan Hill stays healthy, we're going to be able to run the football on just about anybody because we've got a very experienced offensive line. We've got an explosive back. I don't know that there's many backs, when healthy, that are as explosive as Colin Hill. And the fact that he wasn't picked in the third team, as I mentioned earlier, I hope that that lights a fire under him. He's worked hard this offseason. He's actually dropped a little weight. He's probably a little bit fleeter of foot. But he's a guy that has always run angry, and I expect this will fuel him to run even angrier. You know, the big question, as always, is wide receiver. And we've been a run-first offense for a decade or more. And so now all of a sudden, you know, we're trying to go out and recruit receivers and we're having a difficult time doing it. But this year, this year, you bring you return your leading receiver in Osiris Mitchell, who probably made the biggest jump of anybody on the team last year. Stephen Gidry showed some flashes last year. He didn't have the benefit of spring last year, but now he's had the fall, bowl camp, spring, We'll see the best version of Stephen Gidry we can see. And I expect him to have a big year. I really do. I think he will be the receiver we expected him to be. Then you add Javante Payton to the mix. And we are hearing some good things about him. And you expect to hear that. But that's another talented prospect that's back. That's now in that room. And then you bring in Isaiah Zuber. And so you begin to think, okay, you've got your two most productive guys from last year back who will probably take that senior jump this year. They're seniors now. And then you add two guys into the mix that have proven to be very good elsewhere. Now, I know it'll probably take Peyton half a year to kind of figure it out because, you know, it's a different level for him. Isaiah Zuber, I expect Zuber to come in and be ready to go. And then you think about Dedrick Thomas. And I saw that Dedrick Thomas led the SEC 
with zero drops last year. So on paper, that group looks to be better. And so we expect that to be better. And I really believe that that's the key to everything. Because, again, I think we're going to be good enough at quarterback, no matter who we go with, to be a good bowl team. But how good a bowl game we go to is going to, is going to be dependent on the production of those wide receivers. Because we're going to be able to run the football. And if we can throw it a little bit better and keep those safeties out of the box, we're going to run it a lot better. But I expect this to be a much more exciting brand of offense, and it needs to be. We had some games last year that were absolute snoozers. I mean, honestly. And that's not to be hypercritical. You all sat through it. You saw it. There were times we'd miss reads from the quarterback position. There were times we'd drop balls in the wide receiver position. There were times we'd miss a block. There were times that we, you know, we underutilized our running backs. But this is year two. And I don't know if you know this, and I'll have an article about this at some point. I've done the research, just hadn't had time to write it. But year two in a Jim Moorhead offense has proven to be very productive for running backs. That's dating back throughout his career. Interesting stuff. The second year in the system, guys seem to really thrive at running back. And I think that's because of the scheme. It's because everybody, I think it's not because the running backs just simply get better. They do, they become more familiar. But so do all the other moving pieces. And you look on the defensive side of the football, you know, that, that our back seven is going to be as good as a lot of people. And, and we lose Martin McLaurin, we lose Jamal Peters, we lose Jonathan Abram. You lose a lot of experience back there. And while Martin McLaurin wasn't the greatest athlete, he was a really good athlete, and he was a guy that understood the game of football. And you're, going to, you're probably going to have more explosive athletes around the secondary than you had last year. You know, there's some people out there that are, that are kind of on the fence about Mo Smitherman. I think Mo Smitherman most improved player on defense last year. When Jamal Peters went out, I think we actually got better in the secondary. And that's not to be critical of Jamal. I'm just saying I think that everybody else kind of rallied around Mo. We're going to miss Jonathan Abram. We're going to miss Jeffrey Simmons. We're going to miss Montez Sweat. But we were an elite defense. We were the number one defense. But wouldn't you all take number 20 this year? I mean, if we took a step back and we stayed in the top, if you said, you know what, they're not the number one defense, but they were still top 20. I think everybody would feel like, you know what, that's okay. I remember years ago, we would have given anything to be a top 20 defense. So, no, we're not going to be leading the, the nation in most statistical categories this year because we're not going to have the, the, the assortment of talent to, to work with. But it's going to be a good group. We're probably going to have, you know, last year we could keep people from scoring. You know, we could win those low-scoring games. You know, this year we're going to have to score more points. But it's time. It's time to get going. You know, it, it's it's officially football season. Now that media days are over, everybody's taking their final vacations right now. And they're going to come back next week, and they're going to sit down. They're going to put together a practice schedule. They begin to have team meetings. The next thing you know, we're going to be on a practice field. It, today, it's July 19th today. We're going to be on a practice field August 2nd. And there are going to be some teams start before us because they play before us. We're going to start seeing some practice reports. We're going to begin to start seeing some pictures and seeing some guys fly around. We're going to start having some press conferences. The next thing you know, we're going to be in the Louisiana Superdome getting ready to play Louisiana Lafayette or Louisiana, depending on your preference. Well, folks, it's going to do it for today. Thanks so much for your patronage and support of the Boneyard all these many years. And, again, I apologize for being a little bit late today. I'll be on time Monday. There have been some times you've got shows at 2 in the morning, so I don't want to hear any complaints. But, uh, again, thanks so much for so many of you Boneyard, Boneyard listeners stepping up, saying hello. I, I appreciate it more than you know. Appreciate your support of the book. And uh, look forward. We're in, we're in the painful part of the process because it's like you think you're finished. Well, we got this question. You know, and so 
we're, I'm navigating through all that, and then this thing will push off the print, and then we will have a, a book in your hand sooner rather than later. And, and I, I am eager for you guys to have this thing in your hands. Because there's so many great stories in there, and they're not my stories. I helped write the stories, but the stories happened in the locker rooms, in the field house, and, and, on, and on the field, and on the courts of play. And in some, in some ways, they were hatched in the dormitories there at, at Mississippi State. So there's some interesting news about your team that most of you, I'm sure you don't know. And uh, I look forward to you guys having that and look forward to getting out on a book tour and, and signing books and, and, uh, and shaking hands and, and, then, and then getting your reviews. I'm, I'm eager for that. And my hope is that when people read Villains, that they'll come back and say, you know what, Steve, here's another story that I wish you would have told. And you know what? If we get enough of those, we'll write Villains too. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.